As always, by my co-host, the lovely Latoya, the sheriff of truth. Good. Win. Hello. Hi. What a rough day she is. Uh, uh. It's really difficult when our friends die, the fuzzy family friends we have, yeah. our fur family. I have to put a dog down. That's not cool. Uh, you mean, I've been, I've, I've seen, like, my grandfather's dog we had to put down. I've seen one of my dogs get hit by a car, oh, and then I've seen my friend put his dog down. It just doesn't get easier. No, it's terrible stuff. Yeah, I, I said Trump killed my dog. Well, I mean, he might have. He killed my dog! So, uh, but it was just old age, or? Yeah, she's 16 years old, so she's been through 9-11, two Bushes, two Obamas, oh, and now Trump. So that's why I said he killed my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 16-year-old dog. Nice dog. Uh, you brought some friends with you today. Yes. Yes. Introduce yourselves, ladies. Um, I'm Cass. I'm a student of Mills College. I'm a senior, and I am majoring in English Literature. I am Amanda. I'm also a senior, and I'm majoring in English Literature, Global Humanities, and Mining and Religious Studies. You guys are going to have to get way closer to your microphones. Yeah. yeah. There, there we, we go. go. Yeah. Uh, now we got some volume. Now we got some. But uh, so Mills College. Yeah. And Private college. Yes. And it's pretty it's expensive. Yeah. You gonna you gonna get some good expensive. connections out of that so that you can uh, pay back your loans someday. That's what we're Is going that what's for. Going, you're going for. Yeah. yeah. And it's an all women's college, correct? And you said it's the only one in the uh, state, or I believe it's the only one on the West Coast. On the West Coast. And yeah, we have a all female undergraduate program and a graduate program that is both female and male, and we're also trans inclusive. Oh, nice, nice. So there's a little bit of a controversy going on um, at your school. Um, share, share, please. Let's have some tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a declared financial state of emergency that may result in the layoff, layout, layoff, there we go, of ranked tenured faculty and the termination of a lot of staff positions. And that's happening right now. And the but it's a private school. Yes. That doesn't make sense, because how can they cut the funding when, don't you have like all your expensive people that went there from before yeah, that gave you money and stuff, like tenured, endowments? That's what and, it means, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, but it's just that the money's, if you're charging $100,000 a year for tuition, doesn't that money go to the teachers? Why would you have to cut teaching positions if it's a private school that has exorbitant costs on its students? Where's the money going? That's Who's lining what, their pockets? That's oh. what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, because well, how much is, I mean, you don't have, I mean, I guess it's common knowledge. I don't know. I'm going to guess 50000 a year. Is that what your school costs Close. more? Close. Uh, your price is not right. Ah. <laughs> it's uh, like around 45. Oh, 45. Okay. But they also give incredible financial aid yeah. packages to all of their students. So I don't think anyone actually pays that. So I'm okay. there on you know a lot of grant and scholarship. Yeah, I got a 50% discount. Yeah. Wow. So that so so I mean they're extremely generous with their students, which is part of why they're trying to restable the financial situation to continue to do so. But but then you aren't going to get students that want to come and pay the prices if you don't have the 
people that are there to educate them. Like that's the whole point. Is like right. it's it's an exclusive. That's kind of what you're paying for. Well, Absolutely. But that's the thing about education is it's sort of this exclusive thing. Anyways, there's an exclusivity to education, which is very sad. Like only rich people get to be smart. Like that's weird. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't that seem or or you know have like critical thought or like how, what are we? Wh- why would we call? education from people and and make it strictly like a social and economic strata you know yeah doesn't that that seem counterproductive to i don't know i don't know what's going on so you guys are on you're looking you're looking deep you're trying to but get budgets find out where the money's going yeah i'm an english major so looking at budgets is kind of not my forte right it has been interesting trying to work with the administration on this. Wow. But so are they going? are they being cooperative? They're really interested in listening to their students yeah. and they have generated a lot of forms for conversation and this entire process is kind of raising the question of what's the relationship between the administration and the students and how can they work together to ensure that student interests are being applied to how the university works and runs because as you say it is it is a privilege, right? I mean, forty-five. So it's ninety. So it's a hundred and eight. Your edu- your undergraduate education costs one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. That's four, forty-five times f- times four. I, I'm not great at math, but I got it. Okay. So because ninety plus ninety is one. So one hundred eighty thousand dollars for tuition alone, and you got to think how many professors do you come across? Like, let's say you do. So let's, let's say you, it takes two hundred to make it easy math. It takes two hundred units to graduate or something, and each class is four units so 200 divided by four is 50 so ostensibly you're taking 50 classes and you're going to come across 50 different professors in your life so then if you divide 180,000 by 50 professors you get 90,000 nine so how much per professor wait a minute 50 fits because it's 50 percent anyways it seems like there's enough money to pay the professors <laughs> i mean there's, it just yeah there per student be. or because what if, if if your tuition is such an amount and they say well we need it for this and this and this but let's say even just 10 percent of that was for teachers each student is paying that amount of money wouldn't there be enough money to keep the teachers i don't know i, I maybe i'm just too much of like a I just black and white here we go look at the numbers I yeah. where's the the money's going somewhere do you have new cool buildings do you have was there is an underground swimming pool or something somewhere that we do have a really nice pool <laughs> <laughs> we do I would like to swim in it um, I can bring you as my Olympic guest. size I don't no. think so do they have but a, it is a it is a high, proper lap pool oh high yes. diving boards and stuff um not super high diving boards. okay I'll take it <laughs> I mean, you know, it's for education. I want to swim. Um, <laughs> but so how did you find out about this? Like, uh, was this toward like the end of your semester when you found out, like, you know, a lot of the professors, you know, are possibly getting laid off and where's the money going? The, you know, how the investiga- investigation begins? Mm. Well, um, there were a series of growing rumors and discomfort towards the end of the semester, but most of this information came out after finals during summer. And uh-huh. uh, they wait. Uh-huh. Of course, they did it when you weren't there. Nice. Yeah. They drop the bomb when no students are there. Exactly. Part <laughs> of yeah. Yeah. You said well, part of what we oh, were well, um, I think part of that, like, 
Don't get me wrong, I, we're a little frustrated with that because a lot of our student body is out of town. Um, many of our students don't live in the area outside of the school year. Um, but we've had some really good reception from the student body and the faculty. But I think part of it was to like protect the students a little bit during finals because mm. I mean it's stressful. Finals suck. Right. So So are they gonna be raising class size? Is that what's gonna happen? Is that because they've because they've let go of so many educators they have to because it's going to affect the students. They're either going to be in more impacted classes now, it's going to be more difficult to get the classes you need for your major because there aren't enough teachers to teach those classes, or class size will have to get larger. And when you go to a private school, like that's kind of part of it, is you want to be in small classes. classes. It's like, especially as an undergrad. I mean, I went to, uh, to UCSD, and we had big classes, and probably one of the reasons why I failed calculus was that I was in a room with 300 people, and... And the teacher was There's from no China, person. but there was I couldn't, under, I couldn't understand anything she was saying, and, and I was just subject. like, and, and this and calculus. But it was, it was a three hundred person classroom, and then wow. we'd break into these little, you know, then we'd be in a group of twenty two where there'd be a TA who was a graduate student who might or might not care, and there's twenty two of you, and you just sort of there's no personal connection. It, it didn't with student teacher when you exactly. have large sizes like that because how are you if you're having um trouble in any kind of subject how are you supposed to ask your professor right and if, if even they if they have office are. hours if there's 300 people in the class it's totally different. but you guys are in a small you're in a mills is a very small college what yeah. there's what how many student body are you looking at about 1300 1300 that's it and that's the thing is that that's why people choose mills is because you're in a classroom with sometimes you know one professor and one ta and it's eight people and wow. you're getting a, it's absolutely i've been to five different universities and mills is the fifth one and it is the best university I've ever been in and that's kind of it is that there has been somewhat of a lack of transparency between the administration and the student body in relation to the questions that you're asking about what does this practically look like if you get rid of faculty members that's frankly the student body loves right so. do you guys ever have Trong Tran he's a poet oh, he's a badass yet. no he's so awesome I'm I took him at SFSU and he's oh. like He's, and he's an artist, too. He makes beautiful art, but he's also a great poet and uh, teaches poetry. But, oh, if you can take a trong trank. I hope that they didn't let him go. He was probably adjunct. I don't, I'm not sure, but I know he taught at Mills. Uh, he was there during the fall semester. Um, cool. But I'm not sure about right now. I'm slated to take poetry with Stephen Radcliffe oh. in the fall, who is one of the prospective tenured professors to be laid off. Oh, no. Oh. And of course poetry, because no one cares about poetry. People say, oh, does poetry matter? Poetry. No, I do too. I have an MFA yeah. in poetry. No, I, I mean, I have an MFA oh, in nice. poetry, and I and I think Ooh, poetry is really cool. important. I know, but I'm never going to make any money ever. It's an awful <laughs> thing. It's so dumb when you're like, I'm in college, and it's so great. I'm in graduate school, and I'm paying the money, and I'm doing the thing, and I'm studying what I want, and then it's like, you're <laughs> out in the real hits. world. Yeah, and I'm like, But poets improve society, I think. Well, just, well I agree. True. Thank you. I think they do yeah. too but it's it's about looking at language and, well, and seeing its importance and having critical thoughts surrounding it and I yeah. think that that's starting to disappear and it makes me very sad I, I minored in it in art school and that was dumb because I still owe money to that art school <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations to me yeah, I paid my graduate I, I paid for my uh, graduate school in cash and I didn't take any loans and I didn't take so I had no debt when I finished and I didn't have any grants Ooh, or help from anyone lucky ones. but it wasn't oh I'm so unprofessional I'm sorry guys uh, but it was uh, 
it was a great experience, but it wasn't, and it didn't put me in debt. And I feel like, ha ha ha, you can do it. You can actually put yourself through school and not have debt if you work really hard and are responsible. But I feel like a lot of, and I don't, okay, we're a room full of women. And I think it has to do with all of this debt stuff. Guys, I'm just going to totally blanket generalize here. But they're t- they're, they spend willy-nilly. No, they do. They buy things without... Re- they're like, I need an Xbox 4. I'm like, okay, games. A, I don't have time to play video games because I'm reading and thinking about <laughs> culture and changing lives around me. But B, really, you're going to spend like $300 on, oh yeah, it's on the credit card. And then they rack up all this debt and then they're, oh, I'm just not going to pay my debt back. And I'm like, you know... And oh, it's so hard to go through college without getting debt. And I'm like, you know, if you have some discipline, you actually but can do it. I but I, I feel in you know when because when did you graduate? You graduated from undergrad or graduate? Uh, undergrad. Undergrad '96. Okay, you had the Clinton era behind you, mm-hmm. so that makes a big difference. I came in during the Bush era. Um, Bush um, first. Not for, not first, his daddy. <laughs> not, I'm not that old. Uh, but W's first term. And I saw, even with the scholarship that I had, and I was work-study, um, I saw interest rates for my loan go skyrocket. Mm. And then I saw a lot of institutions, especially private ones, um, skyrocket their prices because they know they knew that a lot of especially the art school industry because that's what it is an industry it's academy of thought yeah <laughs> i was one of those assholes um and i i couldn't afford to go to the school even if i had the scholarship because i still had to pay for books right, right and right, i worked right, right, on right. campus and i worked part-time doing makeup so you know i had to leave the school that i thought i was able to afford i had did my research three years prior and I'm like well I can't go to New York so I'll go to Chicago and then I had to end up dropping out and I see a lot of and this is one of the reasons why you have so many people in debt Mm. Um, and it doesn't even matter anymore if it's a state school or a private institution you know it's this well, is why people in our generation don't buy homes because we are still in debt. Well, and because we're too irresponsible to take care. When the water heater breaks, you don't get to. You got to do something about well, it. Well, yeah, yeah. And the water I think I don't know. I, I'm so I'm so down on millennials. I'm 42, so I'm an old lady. Uh, and but, books are expensive too. That's another racket. Books. Yeah. You know that is a ridiculous racket. Buy used pals books. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And hey, when I went to grad school, I didn't buy my books. I used the library. So I went to, I got my, I got a MA in fiction and MFA in poetry from 2008 to 2012 at SFSU. And I Mm -hmm. used the San Francisco Public Library. What an amazing resource. And I wasn't, because they were literature classes. So all of that literature exists. It's just a matter of finding it. Um, So I I saved a lot of money just because the, the classes I were taking were all specifically fiction, poetry, it's literature. Easier, it's all, yeah. it's, all there. it's easier if you're like looking for like if you're taking like a uh, an English. Well, you're an English major. You know, it's easier to find like literature in the library. You know, I would photocopy yeah, stuff okay. because yeah, I'm like absolutely. I'm not paying three hundred fifty dollars for this book. This oh, it's crazy. Book. And and yeah. when you're yeah. in when you're a professor and you're in that system, it's publisher parish. So they make you publish and you have to create new books and new new anthologies, and new compendiums and putting things out. And then they sell those books to their classes and then they make the money and then everybody's happy. So mm-hmm. yeah. and then there's university presses and uh, 
school is a huge industry. It's a business. And it's you guys business, are yeah. coming up head to head with the concept of, whoa, yeah. was the business we were involved in failing? You're like, we're giving you all this money for this great business. That's we're, it, There's an exchange here. We're Sorry. giving you the money. Investment. You're giving us the awesome education that we need to be able to, you know, lead the rest of our lives the way of our choice and the way of our choosing. So... Ah, that's crazy. So what else do you guys, what else have you learned? What else, what, what's the plan? What's the next step? Um, well, we've learned a significant amount about the practice of tenure um, and the controversy of trying to mess with that system. Um, because at one point, I want to take all the literature and all the shit in my... You can swear. Yeah, yeah, you can. You, it, we're, we're, on the, we're on the internet, cool. so you can fuck swear all you want. It's um, all fine. All the things that I'm learning, the beautiful things, I want to apply them and become a professor one day myself. And the practice of tenure um, in this particular financial emergency really worries me because once you take one shot at tenureship, it kind of sets a precedent. Huh. Yeah. So that's something that I hadn't really thought about before getting involved in this. Right. Um, so, and I learned some value of tenureship um, as far as like it protecting academic freedom through like really controversial research that involves like race, class, gender, power, uh, sexuality. And you have to be free from being fired to be able to explore these things without impunity? Is that what you're saying? Is that if you are beholden in some way to the the university, then you can't necessarily practice freedom of your thought and freedom of speech in your own way? Definitely, it's not protected. Um, So like any tenured or ranked professor pretty much signs their life to their institution um, which is great and the institution then has faith in that professor's intellectual capacity to challenge like critical areas of thought critical research um, and it's it's almost as though the professors can research things that would be controversial to publish if you didn't have that contract huh. Because, yeah, because it would be just, yeah, too controversial. But what happens if they, like, how hard is it to get fired if you're, if you, like, touch a boob or (laughs) try to date a student? Boobs happen. Like, I mean, what's the, do you, as a tenured professor, is it, like, less of a big deal or can they still, there's still caveats of, like, we know you're under tenure, but. I mean, misconduct with students, breaching contract. I think that there, there are all these different things that could yeah, affect, N- affect nullify, tenure, yeah. nullify tenure. Yeah, I, I was. I wanted to be the reason I got my MFA is I wanted to be a professor. And what I realized after being out is that <laughs> being in education is so hard because you don't really get to choose. Like it was like, oh, I'm gonna go teach poetry in Kentucky. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or like at a small uh, community college in upstate New York, like. So me not wanting to leave San Francisco, it was like, you know, I'm the farthest out I was looking was at like, you know, DVC and boy, they're not hiring. It's really hard. It, things are impacted here and trying to, that's the thing about being a professor. If you want to be a professor, you kind of have to be like, I'm going where the wind takes me. 
there it is. You know, you can't, you can't necessarily be, be in the position to say, well, I need to stay here in this, in the Bay area. Like that might not happen. So it's, 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 uh, it's hard those first couple of years when you're out to make those sort of sacrifices and choices. And it also depends, I think on the institution you decide to, you know, teach at, you know, you don't get the freedom and liberty to teach whatever you want to teach. You usually start out with comp, which sucks. English Mm. comp sucks. (laughs) Get your comp certificate though. When you go to graduate school though, you have the option to take your comp certificate or not to definitely take it, but it sucks. Teaching it, and because when you're teaching comp in a community college, we've forgotten. I, I don't know. I, I taught uh, high school from uh, '97 to 2001, and I got out in 2001 because of No Child Left Behind, and I saw it as a systematic culling of critical thought from our education system. And I feel like they did a great job uh, with making people really dumb from like 2001 until 2008 or nine. And and that was like two whole groups of people going to high school. Now, so when I'm teaching in college, when I was in graduate school, there were people who made it into SFSU who couldn't write a paragraph. I'm not even exaggerating. They couldn't write a five paragraph essay. Even when I break it down and be like, let's look at Let's let's think of it like, like a, like a molecule. You know, sentence one is this. We, you know, we described every. Then you're gonna do a quote, and then you're gonna describe your quote, and that all goes up to your thesis. And this kind of stuff is like, they're like, bah, bah. they just couldn't at all. It was so frustrating. But it's because it's what we did to our high school. It's what we did to our education system. We took it. We took critical thought out. We stopped the writing programs. We stopped reading and talking. And instead, it was teaching to the test and multiple choice. And now, all of a sudden, they get to college and we expect them to know things. And and there you go. So then you end up teaching English comp and it sucks. Or you become an athlete. (laughs) Well, that's its own whole thing of education. That's a whole whole, uh, sports programs and education are another, it's, it's another part of the business. It's another, because they get pre NBA and pre NFL players for free. (laughs) We're actually paying them to go to school there. Although they get paid because of that scholarships. And and they don't get to eat either. Well, it depends what they're doing. I mean, it depends on the sport. I know a lot of college basketball players and football players are actually trying to strike because, you know, they can't afford to eat in the cafeteria and what have you. There's been many stories about that at these big universities. I feel like it it sounds like slavery. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Waiting in line. Play that, bounce that ball. Trying to get Mm. my food. (laughs) Just need a grilled cheese sandwich. Do you guys have any kind of uh, sports or what have you at Milt? You know, yeah. lacrosse. Do you do women's lacrosse? I'm the least athletic person of all time, but I know that Mills has amazing athletes, right? We do have some pretty stellar athletes. Um, I know we have a rowing team. Yeah. We got a swim team that's doing really well. We've got soccer, softball, volleyball. Well, that speaking of speaking of softball. Okay, so speaking of softball, is Mills a historically lesbian leaning college? Is it it's it all women because women were like did it start out as subjugation or as like a or like as a separate but equal kind of thing for women and then it became like does it skew any way gender wise? I mean, obviously gen- oh, I get so confused with things like So if it's a female only college, do you accept trans people 
Yeah. Yes. Because yeah, they as, identified gender female. As female. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, I also believe that we accept uh, gender queer. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, we were the, actually the first university or college to put that into our admissions. Rad. Yeah, it's pretty rad. See, and these these are the qualities that you want to keep as a legacy with your mm. school. Definitely. And you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, the circumstances of what's going on financially, you know, sucks. But see, that's the that's yeah. the ironic thing here is that when you think about a private college, you never think about them having financial issues. It just it, yeah. it just doesn't even for me it doesn't even when you guys came in here I'm like what, Mills is that what because it's the same thing with any like you would never think oh Harvard is strapped for cash you know or like <laughs> sure, sure. Yale is you know Princeton all the big Ivy League Brown or whatever they are MIT. you don't even you would never even think of it yeah. that there would be like that you guys have to have a bake sale or something so you can keep a professor would you <laughs> do you think like so have you talk to the uh, the president of your school um on a few different occasions we i mean we have a meeting with our president our president is really receptive and I've, it's quite humbling how approachable she is we have a meeting with her on friday I saw her yesterday, I saw her on Monday, I see her on campus She's all the around. time. Very responsive yeah. to student requests and yeah. Cool. That's good. Yeah, very, yeah. yeah. So what other guys, you guys are scribbling at, what other points do you have like you were getting <laughs> on here? <laughs> um, well, what, what's, your, what's your end game? Do you want, nobody, nobody gets let go, everybody comes back. That Is that the, the end game? That would be. I love my professors. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, that's what that that would be the end game. I think it's it's also more about creating some kind of cohesion with the administration and the student body so that decisions that continue to happen because there is a financial emergency. It happens Mills is not unique in that. Many private colleges face this, but it's so that moving forward the way that this is dealt with feels that is representing how we feel about our professors, about the community, about Mills. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, and how do you decide which of your favorite people go? What do you just draw straws or you go, I mean, what do you do? How do you decide to I mean, take away someone's position? It's, it's an excruciating process for the administration. They, they've had a very hard time also, right? So yeah. it's like, no one is happy. No one is right. excited right. about this, right? So that's the other thing too, is to make sure that that discontent is in some way productive and not destructive right and a lot of your professors have been there for a while too correct yeah like yeah. These, this is someone that's just been there for a year or two you no know? i can think of maybe like three or four that have been there for over 20 years whoa that's yeah. okay that's a insane. long time that changes yeah. the whole culture of the campus exactly. if you're taking away people who have been teaching there for 20 plus years I mean, th then you have to think about what what is Mills College? Like, right. what are you? That, that, and, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people go to this institution because they've read about this professor they've wanted to take, and they're like, they're finally there, and then they're having their professor taken away. Mm -hmm. And you're paying for it, too. But that's what yeah. college yes. is about, is having access to those people. That's right. what it's about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the disappointing factor. You know, I, it's just, it's just, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, one of the professors that may be laid off was one of the founding reasons I went to Mills to begin with. Wow. So in that, it's, 
Yeah. What yeah. five universities were you at previously? This is your fifth, so what four? Just curious. I've been to Ventura College, community okay. college. I've been to St. Louis University in Madrid. I was born and raised in Spain. Oh, rad. I have been to Drew University in New Jersey, and I've been to UT Austin in Austin, and now Mills College. Wow. Yeah. You've been all and, over. I've been all over. And... But Austin is so cool, and Spain is so cool, yeah. but Mills is cooler. Mills is the best wow. place I have ever been. The best professors, the smartest students, the most extraordinary community. It is the most amazing place I've ever been in. But Madrid, come on. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. In terms of learning environment. In terms oh, okay. Of, yeah. yeah no, okay. no, in terms of classroom, yeah. Definitely. So you're fluent in Spanish? Yes, I am. Oh, wow. And would you, you speak with si. them about the nothing, or do you not do that? Yo, yeah. <laughs> Yo tengo acento... Madrileño, castizo, y hablo un poco de catalán. Okay, cool. She does the little th 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 thing. Sí, that's sí, the, that's it's, the, it's Spain Spanish. Right. Eso. Awesome. <laughs> I, no, I mean, it's just really fascinating and awesome, too, that, you know, as students at a, you know, a college, to have so much passion for their professors, because I don't think that's, you don't hear about that really uh, yeah. anymore. You know, it's... Especially in the state colleges, mm. it's like, you get who you get and right. don't get upset, you know, whatever. Exactly. I can't think of any professors that really changed my life or like, I have to have this one. And I've been to four institutions. Mm. You got me beat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, the fact of the matter is like, I'm glad like at least the faculty and, you know, the president are being reachable and yes. listening to you. Oh, definitely. Very much so, yeah. You know. So, I mean, what kind of work do you have to do before the beginning of the school? Is this going to take your entire summer of, like, is this, is this like, your big project right now? Or what is... I should be studying French and Nietzsche right now. Oh! Um, but I've been doing this for about two weeks. Okay. We're hoping that it will be settled soon. The budget needs to be ratified by July 1st. Oh, wow. There is a board meeting tomorrow, and then there will be a vote over the weekend. Wow. Yeah, to be ratified on the 26th. So, so. It, it'll end soon-ish. Now, is this, does anyone else know about this news? Is there, I mean, are there any, like, local newspapers that have picked up this story that are, I feel like you're over there in Oakland, and 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 I feel like they, they'd be interested in knowing that. You know what's going on with the this with the school yeah well um there will be more media coverage i'm sure but for now what i know of is the daily news it's a online philosophy like journalism type site and then the mercury news published a piece cool um hopefully the sf chronicle coming up soon yeah, well, and I know, but newspapers, they've lost their readership. The Chronicle in, like, the 90s used to have, like, 200,000 subscriptions or something crazy, and now it's, like, just oh, yeah, nothing. Mercury they to... News is pretty dope. They're always, like, breaking really grid stories. That's yeah. out of San Jose, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My dad worked for them for a while. Yeah. Uh, so what are you going to – so you want to be a professor with your degree when you finish. What, a, what, what, what are you thinking about being – what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> A writer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Fiction, nonfiction? Nonfiction. Wow. So, yes. like, rewrite the history books. Oh, I, you know, I haven't even thought about that. That would be cool. Um, I should do that. Yeah, no, so anything involving uh, writing cool. for me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this, this is actually probably chapter, probably chapter five in your book. 
because I'm sure you have many chapters. I have a couple chapters. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is going to be part of a history making in the chapter. Yeah. What is, what is the um, environment like um, at your school? Le- oh, yeah, I mean, there's no dudes, so there's right. like you really don't have to deal with all the misogyny. I and love just it so much. Of, yeah, right. It makes me so happy. No, there's no never to see men yeah. around my. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's I, fine. I, I just, I just. Yeah. No, no, you can't. It, you're getting fucklumped. It's nice. Well, and they say, I mean, that's a thing that with private schools, um, in high school and in even younger grades, they say that separating boys and girls is positive because they can actually focus on learning as opposed to distracting people or distracting themselves or just having that like removing that social interaction just I mean it's like I'm sure it's not that big university vibe that Mm. douchey vibe that I've always hated here's what I'll I'll ask what do you guys think about the Brock Turner thing Mm. I mean is it like the word I mean I'm just curious. That's horrible. It's I'm right. I mean, but it's university setting. But the university protected him. I know. Because of his sports, it's, yeah. it's like that makes it worse. Right. It's like institutionalized misogyny. It's like it's, wait, that exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the, I'm like, oh no, man. <laughs> no, that's, uh, well, that's uh, so at Mills, I mean, it depends on your sexual leaning, but that doesn't mean that the distraction is gone. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> right. Uh, but it is an interesting dynamic, and it's really cool to have this environment where, you know, the patriarchy exists. Sorry, guys. But, um, <laughs> like, to have this environment where women can explore themselves, focus on their work, have community collective support, you know, yeah. not necessarily get mansplained to all the time. Right. Have dialogue. A room of one's own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love that thing. And actually, I do. It, it is so hard to create while having the external pressures of, am I going to eat today? But there's different there's different thoughts on it. So Virginia Woolf said, you must have a room of one's own and $100 a month. And this is like 1904, which would have been a lot and of money, three right? three cats. Right. Well, I, <laughs> I would have as many cats as possible. Uh, but... Then you look at Artaud and he says that you can't truly create art without being hungry, literally and figuratively. So it's like two sides. So she's saying, well, no, you must have means in order to create. And then he's saying the only true creation comes out of lack of means. So because true creativity, you know, whatever. So it just philosophically different situations. But I know we're we're like just leaving all of our cell phones on. I should turn it down. Uh, but I mean, God, wouldn't it be great to have to? Well, no, but that's the other thing is it's like if I had a room of one's own and someone else paid for it, but I didn't have to, I didn't have to be be beholden to them in any way. So you don't have to be a wife or you don't have to be a girlfriend or you don't have to be in anything. You just have to be an artist and you get a place to live and, and food to eat. What? Like that would be crazy. They'd be like, oh, my gifts as an artist are appreciated. Because the problem is that when you want to be a writer, you've got to get a real job and then when do you have time to write if you're at your real job, at your real job you know so you just be part of the service industry that's what the performing I, per, in performing arts that's because it's playing being a service playing a part yeah i mean the performing you, arts is if great if you think about it it's just like you have a little bit more freedom i mean 
I mean, compared to being in an office job, being stuck for eight hours, nine hours a day, and then you're just zoned out for the rest of the day. Right. And then all you can do is watch TV and be an American. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really lucky because my partner, she owns her own digital marketing company called Mission Created. She's amazing. And I get to work with her. So oh, I get nice. to, I am so lucky in that wow. respect. So really lucky. Yeah. And yeah, so she kind of created that herself. And now we both write and we get to kind of, so, but that, yeah, that sheer perseverance on her part. Cool. Think, uh, working in the service industry is great writing material. That I totally, use it all totally. the time. Yeah. You meet every shade of human mm -hmm. in oh God, the yeah. service industry. Yeah. It's, it's, I had to go back to it. I am, when I graduated, I decided to like go back to like working in corporate, but like cosmetic corporate, mm -hmm. and I hated it because I wanted to work myself to management and I saw how management was shady. And so I went back to the service industry and dear Lord, there's still, every every day is a new story. Yeah. And jokes. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's, it is great writing material. Just by observation of seeing people in these settings and they, they think they're so professional and they're doctors and lawyers and, and you know, I own a company, harumph, harumph. Mm -hmm. And you see them plastered, and they're just like children. I hear the most vapid stories on the street from when I hear people behind me talking, and I'm just like, seriously, <laughs> like I want to stop them and be like, really, this is your this is your biggest concern today? Like your biggest concern? You're really gonna talk? You 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 gonna talk about flat front pants for like 20 minutes? Flat front that, pants and avocado toast. Yeah, you're a guy, right? That's like, <laughs> Or when there's when there's a girl and she's talking to a guy and she's talking to him about something super vapid like clothing or makeup or something and I'm like you know he's a dude right you know he doesn't care he does what all the things he's just like could I stick my dick in her mouth she's like all I see is like, ah, blah, 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 blah. it's like blah 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 cats 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 that's all they that's yeah. all they hear cats 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 cats, cats. they can't even we've yeah. been talking a lot about how much we dislike people in general and and especially hearing their conversations and that yeah a lot i just feel like a, if you I don't, don't have anything productive to say why are you talking <laughs> like yeah, and can't we train the children when they're little to like have some it's just having no. some discernment about what you decide to share you can't anymore because we're in the social media age of everything is a subject and you can penalize anyone and anything, you know, even if you don't know that person. So, no, you can talk about the new Yeezys and how these shoes suck. Or what are Yeezys? See, exactly. Kanye it shouldn't West shoes. Kanye West, Kanye West, West shoes. shoes. Yeah. They're very nice shoes. They're they very expensive, expensive, too, though. Shoes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think that's so funny. They look that weird. You could, they, look, they look really they look strange. Like, they look like orthopedic shoes for all people. <laughs> you really? could be, yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. See, this is this, this is how it starts. Yes. No, <laughs> but, the, but I think it's interesting because I feel like culture, we take, we're still the, the cult of personality. So you take, you take the cult of personality of Kanye West and we, mm. as American consumers, can be him. We can wear his shoes. We can wear his jersey or i don't know what he puts on a jumper and we can wear his we can wear his cologne we can smell like him we can yeah. we can masturbate to beyonce videos we can Jay, no that's jay-z i'm sorry yeah, we said kanye he's kanye. with the kardashian kim kardashian woman. videos right yeah yes. you can end up Same in a thing. mental you can institution like him it, was he 
Yeah, he, yeah. For well, Dave Chappelle, stint. I know he had a little short yeah. stint out there. But even going to back what we were talking about last week about feminism, you didn't know who Amber Rose was. I didn't know who and she I was. And I showed you the I loved that picture. Really yeah. cool. Sure. The yeah. Bush picture. You, it was great. You guys know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. yeah, the Bush picture. It's a picture. hot picture. Yeah. Love that picture. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, I didn't, she said, I didn't spread my legs. It's just Bush. It's no big yeah. deal. It's not like she's flashing her cooch to the world. You know, I mean, it wasn't yeah. a Britney Spears move. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's okay. We love. Oh, Brett. that was so fun. That was a fun summer to talk about her. Yeah. <laughs> she actually, she actually wrote a poetry book, and oh it is Lord. so funny. Britney Spears? Britney Spears wrote a poetry she wrote, book. Right? It was like in two thousand five or two thousand six. Oh, it came out, and it's so bad. And there's one of them. The poems is about a tiger, and she spells it right. And it's an homage <laughs> to like Dylan Thomas, Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright. But it's Britney Spears. You have this look on your face, like I know you want to murder <laughs> her. It is terrible. It is a it is a it is a bastardization of poetry, and it was a bestseller, and it was Anybody awful. Can do it, right? We should Anybody find one right now. Can I'm do looking it. for it right now. It was a Britney okay. Spears book of poetry. It was like 2005 or 2006, and then Madonna wrote a children. She's written a couple of children's books now, no. and I read one the other day to one of my little nanny friends that I hang out with, and it was so bad. <laughs> it was abhorrently. It was like really sophomoric, right? It was like about these girls called the English Roses. And they weren't like this. They were like this. And they loved to do these dances. And they did this together. And then there was a girl who was so pretty and her skin was like milk and honey. And so they hated her. And then they hated her and hated her and hated her until one mom came in and said, maybe her life sucks. And then a fairy godmother comes down and shows them her quote unquote life where she lives alone with her father and she has to work really hard like Cinderella. And then they feel sorry for her and so they all go become friends and now everyone says they're pretty because she's part of their group and she's so pretty this that's like terrible. the synopsis of the madonna book it is so bad it teaches yeah. girls like the worst like tropes of life you know I found, a, I found a britney spears poem <laughs> yes britney no please 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 remembrance of who i am oh, oh. let's go by britney spears okay hit me baby one more time no that's not what it says no more chains that you gave me enough of pain now i'm craving something sweet so delight, how do you stand sleeping at fucking night? Is that really what it says? <laughs> That's, it. That's all the poem. That's it. Okay, That's it. so her cadence. She didn't say. She didn't say fucking though. Her, I okay, I was gonna say that really. Let's if, talk if, about if, the meter. If, yeah, the syllabic. The syllabic count is super off. The, the cadence is. The rhyme scheme is just so sophomore. Yeah, just. Oh my God, Brit. Oh wait, wait, wait. There's another. Oh one. good. Oh, there's another. Oh my God. I don't know the name of this one, but it's silly patterns that we follow. You pull me in, I'm being swallowed. <gasps> By the ones you think you love, they pull you down. You can't see up above. That's it. Ah! Wow. Love is hard, though. <laughs> she feels a lot. She feels a lot. Lots of feelings. You know the best poetry she ever did? Toxic. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I agree. Okay. I love she, that. And she she didn't, write it, didn't write those yeah, songs. She didn't yeah. Either. She didn't write any we of her see songs. Why. She was a she was a Disney princess. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with good performers. And she was raised Stay on in your Disney. Life. And she can dance. Stay in your life. You know what? She really could dance. Stay she, in your life. She was such a good dancer. Stay in your life. Wasn't she? 
stay I'm just gonna tell her to stay in her lane yeah. don't don't that's like me trying to teach calc I don't know jack about calc but I'm gonna go ahead and Same. teach it you no. know no I'm gonna stay in my lane no no boo boo if, if you don't even write your own songs or chords Please. She feels so much. So much. <laughs> oh. Very deep. And by the way, I noticed when these poems were published, this was like in 2007 when she had that meltdown. Mm. So that's when she published these. So I'm like, that makes sense. And uh, I, 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 it's fun to gossip about Britney Spears. Dave, the reason yeah. was because of this, and they were going to hair test her. Oh, so and she didn't donate that hair? Probably not. I mean, I, I God, could you imagine? She should have sold that hair. That I mean, was, I mean, she could have made a lot of money for a great cause. Right. Absolutely. eBay. Word. She, well, they weren't going to go find that hair and test. I can't imagine. But so that was the whole thing. She was afraid of losing her child. So she, so she got shaved her head and tried to be all crazy and be like, I was crazy. It's like, you're not crazy. You didn't want to get drug tested. Smart, smart lady. Good for you. <laughs> like, cause if people tested my hair, they'd be like, Acid shrooms. They just be like looking at the drugs and be like, "Why do they let you out of the house? What is? What are you?" So, will we call her a feminist then? You know, that's an interesting thing. Now, we talked about this last week with with the with this new feminism where it's like, "Flash your tit, you're a feminist." Yeah, or Instagram feminist. Free the nipple. Free the nipple, and I mean, but I'm totally down with free. Like, I think it's great when people breastfeed in public. I think it's natural. I think it's yeah. important. I think that, I mean, yeah. it's one of those things that why did we decide that? Men can go around shirtless, but it's dangerous and gross and weird for women to do. I I don't see that. I don't know why they've like all of our parts have to be sexualized all the time. Like, I don't know. It's hot out. Can't know. we? What do we got to wear? Wear our shirts off? Well, I, I saw someone not wearing a bra yesterday and she had great nipples. And I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, good for you. Like, what's wrong with, but we're trained to like, I don't know, wear these bras and don't, like it's unprofessional or it's something, it says something about you if you don't wear a bra. And You're it's loose like, or what have right, you. all these, I, I don't know, societal constructs around. But men can just take their shirt off willy-nilly and it's not a thing. I'm like, when did we decide... I know some men who do need to wear a bra. <laughs> <laughs> we do know a lot of stand-up comedians. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, not the healthiest individuals. D's for a dude, yo. Well, and then we talk about <laughs> we talk about this a lot of times on the on the on the on the cast is that people like 45 can be fat piles of shit, and yet <laughs> and yet they can tell women that they're not good enough. Like right. third wife eyes down, right? The trophy wife, yeah. like. I mean, he shamed. There was. They said uh, when he did the Miss USA pageants back in the day that he would walk by them when they were in their bikinis before they did anything, and he'd like shape, body shame them basically. And it was before they all went out on stage. And there are girls who talked about it after, and they're like, the worst part of the being involved in the entire pageant system was when Donald Trump would tell us that we weren't good enough and would say terrible things to us in a line. And they're like the most beautiful women in the world, and they're not good enough. Like. And you're a fat tub of fuck? Like, give me a break, yeah. right? Yeah. And I hate that, that it's like, yeah. I'm, we perpetuate this through our movies and, and you when know, you've got Vince Vaughn, another old fucking flat-faced big weirdo guy, <laughs> he got all big, his face grew wider, just like John Travolta. I don't know what happened. Facelift. Like, right, something happened. Something. Face off, facelift, face whatever. Off, face but they, they still get 
all in the movies, look at the leading ladies. 23-year-old hot little pieces of ass and they're in their late 40s. What are you teaching men? That they can be fat, schlubby assholes and still Dad get and, and still get this ideal woman who isn't a real woman because she's like yes. a woman child who doesn't have opinions yet because she's young and pretty and looks at you like, uh, like but this is in every movie. You can watch any comedy movie and all of those old dudes. Look at Adam Sandler. Oh. And he's got the hot, <laughs> right? Like he's he's like 50, 56 or something. And in his movies, all of the women are under 30. And it, and they're the love interest. And what are we saying to people? You guys should watch Blue is the Warmest Color. That's all oh, I'm saying. I haven't seen it yet. Just Blue go on Netflix and watch that. That's a gorgeous, beautiful lesbian movie. Awesome. French. And you will not be irritated at an ugly man. Sweet. <laughs> yes, I promise. I, nothing makes me more upset that when, like, being subjugated for beauty to a st- certain standard of beauty when the person doing the judging is like Gross. not adhering to the standards of beauty. Yeah. Like, screw you, man. Gross. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. What? Yeah. Exactly. I get so... That's I mean, like my yeah. biggest feminist trip. Is it, it's it, it is kind of weird how the fact of like you you have someone and I'll stoop to their level an ugly fat bastard you know <laughs> uh, judging someone who on the other hand is very intelligent you know maybe, well it doesn't even come my, into intelligence or, or maybe, it's all or, or it's maybe all. you know just from the outside looks you know very very attractive you know it's just you don't want to tear someone down I mean. I, I think, especially as women, we do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's other. even getting worse, you know, how we judge each other. And, uh, you know, I see women who judge each other. I'm like, and I'm looking at her judging someone. And I'm like, are you really judging this broad right now? And you <laughs> got some dirty ass sweatpants on? Seriously? <laughs> well, I mean, really. I just want to be taken. Here's the thing. As a comedian, when I wear makeup and put a special outfit on, Audiences like me so much better. Mm. It is unbelievable the difference of when I wear makeup and wear a cute outfit as opposed to when I'm just myself. And it's weird that how people take you or don't, they judge your intelligence based on your appearance, which yeah. has nothing to do with one another. Right. And I, I mean, I always just wanted people to think I was smart when I was mm. growing up. And like the only compliments I ever really got were that I was really pretty. And I was like, well, I don't want to be pretty. I want to be smart. (laughs) You're pretty smart. But it was was just when you're trying to look for validation for what you want validation for. And then society tells you that the only validation that you're allowed to receive is sort of in this physical way. It just, it just always like, I I don't know when I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Like, No, you know, not in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime that we can be like. It makes me crazy though. Like we, I am sure, like being uh, opposing the gender binary or being gender queer or being different is got to be even harder than. It's like feminist squared. It's the same thing Latoya and I talk about all the time. Like she's not only a feminist, she's a black feminist. <laughs> and like, so for me, I can't even understand like the layers of how deep things go for people and I, I try to have empathy but it's so hard when I'm just like you know I was yeah. I was sheltered white girl and I'm like oh I'm really angry because 90210 <laughs> mirrored my existence too much and but like right <laughs> whereas if I would have been growing up during that time and I if I was you know queer or whatever I might have been like where are my 
my um, what are they called? Archetypes. Mm. Where are my TV archetypes to look up to? What do we, you know? And it's it's the same way. Someone has a joke about it. Jackson McBerry's in a wheelchair, and he's like, "Where are our archetypes? All of our figures are like the highest watermark. We have is Lieutenant Dan, and he like he like fucks prostitutes, and it's he's in a, they're like they're just desexualized if you're in a wheelchair or. But it's all of these things that we do to each other as a society, and it's like. Really? Is it because we feel so insecure that we've... Is it really that? Just I like your mom said? Everyone's jealous and well, you're just I mean, insecure. It's, it's the fact of the threshold of what we're forced to either look at or be around. And I think also, too, high school plays a big part of it. Because yeah. high school is where... Ugh, what a terrible it, time. But yeah, it, it, it's very political in high school. And it doesn't end. I, as as, I, I still I feel the scars and it's been I mean I'm fucking 42 years old and my 25 the 25 year thingy is coming up of my 1992 and and I'm like I'm not gonna go talk to those go. assholes no I don't go. have I don't have enough money anyways and <laughs> they make it really expensive and for the 20 year reunion I'm like you guys want to see each other again it's only been five fucking years but for the 20 year reunion I didn't go I couldn't afford it. it was 150 bucks and it was out in Blackhawk and I was like I can't get public transportation out there and I'm not gonna so I told them like I really can't afford it. And they said, this is the worst oh, thing. God. This guy, Brian Grimm, you jerk. He goes, if you wear your cheerleading costume from high school, we'll let you in for half off. And I'm like, oh, so wow. you, so, wow. so, so that you can, cause I can, I can still fit my cheerleading costumes. And that's like a thing I do for fun. But I'm like, so everyone can laugh at me. So everyone can look at me and I can be a clown. So I'm a stand up comedian and I would do a set, but you'll pay me. I'll wear my cheerleading costume and I will do my set. If you, pay me i'm not gonna take half 50 percent off to laugh at me like a clown you know like oh look at that exactly it's gonna be a carry moment but at like a 25th anniversary exactly well i'm not that's disgusting see and that's what i'm talking about like even when you go out into the real world after high school or even after college it's the same bullshit that you have to deal with the high school politics in the workforce uh-huh, um, even uh-huh. if you are in a university or college I think college is uh, different I think in college you create your own circles and everything is perfect and joyous it depends and, what kind and, of and amazing that's true too yeah. but I'm it, sure you, you guys are lucky that you don't college is so much more idyllic than high school because you sort of have more control and power over your peer group I think in that you can choose your own peer group and yeah. you can it's like you you identify with a specific culture that you become a part of when you're there, yeah. but you're actively adding to it. I felt like in high school there was a culture that was thrust upon you, and you either got with it and didn't get made fun of, or you were different and everyone called well, you names. <laughs> well, my like my high school was like you know you had your your geeks and your weirdos and the punks, and then the and then I hung out with the gays. Um, and then the the black thugs and the preppies and the ju- so we had like our own and it felt like a John Hughes movie that I still can't get out of right. to this very day in my thirties because it even happens even in in the workforce it's just like you know it's just like what is this about I'm not talking about our job though <laughs> I'm not talking about our job <laughs> but it, it's just you know and I, I think you know going back to what we were talking about like how especially women, you know, high school, I think, junior high as well, plays a big part of how you're going to end up and how strong you can be to kind of overcome the bullshit and obstacles of not, you know. See, I, I, I disagree with that philosophically and that I don't think that you have to have terrible obstacles to overcome to 
to sort I I would like school to be a beautiful protected place where people could express themselves freely without you know the vilification of by their peers where people can feel comfortable to learn where you don't feel I mean that's what school should be about you should feel comfortable to raise your hand and ask a question at any time and not have people be like that's a dumb question or you're an idiot or like I feel like school shouldn't be filled with adversities it should be filled with like joy and love and learning and and yet I I don't know what the answer is I, I mean and I've taught many I've taught everything from preschool to college and creating that like classroom community in the beginning where people feel safe to learn I think it's like the most important thing but then it's when you're out of that classroom and everyone's just sort of walking around being dicks to each other that's like well because kids are evil and mean and and why and you can watch them in class when you're the adult but then when you let them go on their own they can just say terrible things. And, and they become be- CEOs. <laughs> or the president. Or the president. Or the president, yeah. Oh. He says the worst things. Oh, he says the worst the things. the best words, though. <laughs> Tremendous words. See, Tremendous. all the words. All the words. All the, all the words. All the words. Good at all the words. And shame on his institution. He went to the school of Wharton. They should be embarrassed. <gasps> he did. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm like, look at his grammar. He can't even tweet correctly. I know. And we shouldn't, our president shouldn't be tweeting like a 12 year old girl. No. I mean, please. That's, that's an insult to 12 year old girls. Well, it's kind of like, ta- yeah. And it's kind of like taking, it's, it diminishes the office that he, is the the magnitude of the office that he fulfills poorly but it it diminishes it by he makes it trivial dude he watches five hours of cable news instead of being in like the war room discussing what to do about i don't know north korea Korea, yeah uh syria i don't know police brutality oh wait never mind niggas um (laughs) and you know it's just you know it uh, you know he's mentally disturbed there's something wrong with him well and and george w thought that god talked to him yeah well that he, he was high uh well, he used to be. I read. I read his autobiography, which he didn't write himself. Um, but I read his autobiography, and he talked about that whole thing. He talked about when he did cocaine. He talked about how he was an alcoholic. George W. Yeah. Yeah. He was a and then, man. and then God's, and then his wife spoke to him, and then God spoke to him, and then, she and then hit he repented. With a car. Right. Well, he there was there was all kinds of, but uh, he repented, and uh, and then all that was behind him. And for some reason, like that wasn't even brought up at all when he was being. Turned into yeah, but like Clinton smoked a joint. Oh my God! Oh, I'm going to our city hall and blowing a saxophone and talking about it. I remember that episode. uh, It's just that there's a there's a terrible double standard of what's happening right now. I mean, he's he's but this whole situation with with 45 is awful. I know. The thing is, it's just like the point of like. Working to a part, I mean, well, he had everything handed to him, never mind. But it's just like... It was just a tiny million dollar loan from his dad to get started. It's No one gave him anything. People are supposed to hold the president to a standard. And if the president can't even get his grammar correctly, that just, I mean, that just really bothers me. It just, it's... Because it makes it okay. Right, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it makes, makes it, it okay. okay to... And there are people... And when he that, talks about women the way he did about grabbing the pussy, it makes yeah, it okay. It, it says that it, it 
lauds the patriarch. It says, yeah, yeah, grab the pussy. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. We're fine with it. President's fine with it. And by the way, again, I've said this many times, you really can't grab a pussy. You really can't. With it. You oh, just God, really God. can't. I mean, I don't understand that. You can grab a dick. Well, it's just hanging there. But you can't grab Well, I think he means like linking his fingers on the inside. Cup it. You can cup, cup yes, it. but you can't grab. You, you can kind of get the two. I mean, you could. I mean, it would hurt, though, if you kind of tried to stick it in and pull like, like you know, sort of like the, there's a bone there, right? That's the pubic fingering. bone or whatever. Well, almost. But if you kind of <laughs> grabbed it, but it wouldn't yes, be like be clear, in. <laughs> but it, it with the underwear on, it's sort of like a, You're don't you remember the joke? This was a joke I remember hearing when I was really young. In the early 80s, I was probably like in first or second grade. And a boy came up to me and said, how do you pick up a woman? And I'm like, what? And he's like, like a bowling ball. Two in the pink and one in the stink, or one in the heat. And it was like, he was basically talking about picking up a woman by putting two fingers in her vagina and one in the butthole and picking her up like that and carrying her like a six pack. That was part of the joke too somehow. But it was all the kids. And I went to Christian school. So this was at the school just going around. Everyone was talking about just like. I'm sure that kid works for the Trump administration. Yeah. Yeah. No, the reason why I would never walk around with like free the nipple and stuff is because I'm genuinely afraid for my safety. Sure. Yes. Like genuinely. And you know, just walking here. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the way that people it's so sure. it, it's it's like you know theoretically it would be nice, but in practice yeah, 180% side boob. It, it would people would just touch it on the bus. Yeah. If you put even if you didn't even if you put like electrical tape on your nipples if you want to show the nipple themselves and just go with side boob. I can almost guarantee that people would just touch you because they think they have a right. Yes. Because that happens to me all the time. All the, you know? It, they um, just touch you without permission. Just yes. Just because, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I'm, you know, myself and many, many, many women, but it, yeah. it's, it's. I know. get sweetie a lot or mm. honey, like people I don't know. And I try not to let it bug me, but I'm kind of like. Why am I sweetie? Like, why are you giving me a term of endearment, stranger who I don't know? See, I, I do that part. I do it just because, like, where I was raised and what have you. Like, when I talk to people, I'm like, and how are you my t- today, my dear? You know, I do stuff like well, that's that. That's like old lady cool. Yeah, you know, like yeah. my dear. And I even do it to dudes. Just yeah, to no, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. how are you today, dear? Because I don't want to call you sir. I'm not, you, you ain't my massa. You know? <laughs> no, hell no. But I mean, going back to, you know, the free the nipple thing, mm. we ain't ready for that. We ain't ready for that. No. We're not. I mean, you were just harassed last week because you had a skirt on. Because I had a high, yeah, high I had socks. a skirt on and high. I'm so, I, I can't. This thing is, it's, it's actually, it makes me crazy because yeah. I, people keep asking me, and my boyfriend doesn't care what I wear. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't even care that I don't shave and he doesn't, it doesn't, none of my weird things, they're not weird. None of my, none of my body love, I love my body hair and I'm also really lazy. So I, I'm down with it and, okay, but I don't wear, I wear pants all the time and I don't show my legs because when I do, I feel like I attract attention that I don't want. I don't want to sexualize myself but sometimes I want to wear nice clothes, but then I feel like you know what sexualized you- by the world, and I hate that feeling. Mm-hmm. And when I wear makeup, I feel the same way. And maybe it's my narcissism. Maybe I feel like everyone's staring at me. Maybe I'm being really paranoid. But I honestly feel a difference when I wear, like, when I make a quote-unquote effort to look ladylike. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
I just get so much unwanted attention and it, it makes me very uncomfortable. I don't yeah. think that that's narcissism. I don't wear skirts and I usually wear pants, but if I wear a tank top, I get way more, especially male attention. And I don't even have side boob going on. <laughs> like, I wear sports bras usually because I like to be aerodynamic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely like a in socially ingrained objectification of women. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter like where you are, uh, especially in this country, it doesn't matter where you are. And it, it doesn't even matter like if you're in Europe or what have you. I mean, people will look at you and like, ooh, I got to have me a piece of that, like a piece of chicken or something. Well, yeah. it makes but, me understand burkas a little bit more. Yeah, right. I'll say this. In the south of Spain, I walked around topless. No one bothered me. That's Not good. one person bothered me because there's people are walking around kind of naked, not being fucking horrible to each other, just going to the beach like a normal person. Because right. because I also yeah. feel like this is, America is such a Puritan country and we're not even comfortable about nudity with ourselves which is totally ass backwards because it's okay to like publicize or publicize violence and someone getting Uh shot on the evening news oh but don't show a titty Ooh, oh so bad don't don't show a dick or a vagina it doesn't make sense to me you know so whenever i see like a topless or nude beach i'm like yes i'm taking it all off yeah. And you yeah. know, the thing is, and here it's still not acceptable. It's still hidden away. It's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. It's, I, it's I, have dangerous. A, I have a story about when I was in college at uh, UCSD, there was uh, the closest beach to the campus was called Black's Beach, and it was oh, a nude yes. beach. <laughs> and uh, we would climb down the stairs and get down there. And there was a nude beach, and I took my top off, and I'm sunbathing with my lady friends, and we're having a great time. And uh, this guy comes running up to me. And he puts his feet on either side of my head, and he has no clothes on. And I kind of look up, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at that. So I look down. And then he proceeds to ask all of of us for sunscreen, and I don't want to look up. And I'm like, there's sunscreen over here, and I give him the sunscreen. And then I tell him it's not waterproof. And he puts it, he says he puts it all over his dick. Oh, no. And then he, then he runs into the water. He scampers off into the water. And I was like, really? Like, I mean, it was really, it was. Yo, that's. Right. I mean, I could see, I kind of looked and I saw his legs and I like, ah. And it was like, it was this weird sort of. You know what he was doing. Yeah, absolutely. But it was, it was gross and weird and upsetting and. (laughs) His ass should have been arrested. Well, it's a nude beach, and <gasps> we know, were all, you know, was, young he, college girls, and but I know, but that was he, he was definitely took it over the, he took it over the limit. He didn't need to accost us in that way with his with his body. Yeah, you, in his he, his his presence. He, he could have tucked it in, like, excuse me, girls, you know. Yeah, no tucking. No tuck. No, he had no clothes. I'm a fan of the tucking. <laughs> the tuck it in, yeah. <laughs> Tuck it in. Yeah. Tuck I, it back. Tuck it back. Tuck it back. Yeah. It's fine. Hey, I have a good question. Uh, are you guys doing anything fun for Pride this week? And I'm trying to figure out what the fun stuff to do is. Um, I know I usually go to the Eagle just because I go there for comedy, but they're like huge leather daddy stuff, and I just don't know. I don't think I'm in for that this this weekend. I don't know. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I know El Rio's always a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. People said that... Technically, the only lesbian bar we really have here in San Francisco mm. is actually not a technically a lesbian bar. Just is it not open? 
I no. thought it was still on there. Is, there is no lesbian bar. That's the point I'm trying to make. Oh, okay. yeah, Lexington, but then they gone. got it rid of Lex it. closed. Yeah. Uh, but Dolores Park on Friday is the trans march. So yeah. that's going to be cool. Oh, I have yeah, a lot of friends who are in down with that. And people said, oh, just, just go to Dolores Park and hang out. I'm like, okay. That's what I was planning on doing Friday afternoon. Um, and I'll probably hit up the mix. I like the mix. Where's um, the mix at? In the Castro. Oh, okay. But... Yeah, I usually just go people watching and I go to the parade. Yeah. Yeah, because the club, the bars over there in Castro get too crowded. Oh, it's, and it's there's, crazy. And there's, I'm sorry, I don't like seeing all those sweaty dudes with their dicks all out. And like, if you're like at Moby Dick, which is the bar, <laughs> and they're like rubbing their sweatiness all over you because you're packed in like sardines. I hate that shit. I hate that. I don't want your DNA all over me, yo. You're all sweaty and you're drunk. And you got a sock on your dick. You know who I'm talking about. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. No, I've seen okay, you know what I'm socks about. on the dicks. Yeah, I love but it. like when you're like compacted in a small bar. Yeah, no, I'm not down with that. And anymore. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I like, say I, I'm into the shirt the... cocking. That's my favorite. Is the shirt cocking? It's when the guys don't wear underwear and they just wear a t-shirt. If they if they're embarrassed of their bellies at all, they wear just a t-shirt, and so their dick hangs out just below the bottom of their t-shirt and it's I called just, shirt cocking don't want to see any of that <laughs> like not one to- <laughs> I want to see well and i've realized i have a theory that the uh, amount of genital jewelry is inversely proportionate to the size of the member I believe right that. you should take some uh notes T- i should take some notes you know actually <laughs> i should this could this could be I have a joke that I'm working on and I should add this to it, but it's, it's about wanting to abduct a fifth grader so I can win the motherfucking science fair. And that would be one of the things is proving, proving the jewelry to member size, the inverse proportion of that. Uh, the other one is, uh, is there chlamydia on the 22? Which, no, well, it's, which is the, which, which muni bus is the most disgusting? I want to take a five-year-old on with swabs. Oh I want to find out if that one. is urine, if urine really is sterile. I need to know these things. I need to know what's on the nine owl, or the nine Ooh. L. I need to know which is the grossest bus in muni. Is it, is it the 14? Is it, what is it? This is, this is right. I can win the science fair with this, right? I think I think so. I need a fifth grader. I think number nine, Sam Bruno's pretty gross. Oh, it's gross, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're bringing all their cans on, so we don't know what kind of DNA is in all that. But one time when I was on the 22, this is my favorite Muni story. I was on the 22, and it was a weird hot day. And a dude, uh, he must have been wasted. I don't know what he was on. But he took a newspaper, and he unfolded it on his seat. And then he took a dump on the seat. No. And then he walked no. off at 16th Street. And the driver turns around and he's like, "Did that? Is that real?" No. Wait. And then the driver actually picked it up no. and threw it out in the garbage wait. can. They don't get paid enough. They don't get paid enough. Wait, you witnessed this directly? I witnessed this you directly. You saw this. You saw a man on, take a shit. I saw a man on the 22 bus <laughs> right before 16th Street take a shit on newspaper. We need more public restrooms. We do. <laughs> We need. That's the answer to that. We need more public restrooms. But yeah. But you know what? We we actually do. They have like okay. They have the ones downtown, and then now they set up the ones like on Mission, like the little silver boxes. Mm. But I wouldn't want to go in that shit either. Cause I deal with my cramps. <laughs> sure. Well, the question is, wow. when you've been using the public restroom at Civic Center, uh, do you leave the toilet seat up or down after you've been slamming heroin? Is it is it more of an etiquette question or is it like 
hung jury on that. Yeah, one. <laughs> those those public restrooms they they actually you can't sleep in them because every 20 minutes the water automatically goes on and cleans the entire thing. It comes from the ceiling and the water pressure flushes it all. So if you're in there doing heroin and you pass out, you're gonna t- have, you're gonna get a shower you didn't expect. A free shower. A free shower. Yeah. That's good for the community. It's good. Yeah. For the community. Here's another. Speaking of free showers. Have you seen the Lava May things? L-A-V-A-E-M-A-E or something? It's a woman in San Francisco who takes old muni buses and she put, turns them into showers. So a bus becomes two showers and they have a shower and an ante room and they it's free and they give them free shampoo and soap and stuff and it's usually out in front of the um, library. And you, it's the neatest thing because awesome. you, it's one of those things where you... It, it, having a shower is so access to showers is so helpful that you don't because not everybody wants to go to shelters because they're gross and terrible and you can get you know there's terrible sexual assaults that happen there too it can be very dangerous but this is like you go in it's just you there's a security guard you're safe you lock it in you get clean yourself get clean yeah so you don't smell gross when you go into the library oh man this city I know, good things. Yeah. How long have you guys lived in this city, by the way? I moved here last July. Oh, okay. To Oakland. To Oakland. So are you guys really that young? Are you like 19? No. No, I didn't think so. I thought you... are both returning students. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I was like, because when you're saying... Oh, wait, because you were the four... You've gone to four universities. You guys are in your mid-20s. I'm 24. Oh, okay, okay. That's mid-20s. I'm humbly in my 30s. Oh, right on! Yay! Well, you look so young. Okay, good. Sunscreen. <laughs> Sunscreen is the answer. Uh, well, that's that's awesome. Uh, do you guys do you have any other things you want to get to, or do you want to get to the Drug Policy Alliance news? Do you like do you like drugs? I can't comment on that. Well, no, <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, well, here's the so university the, the news the news stuff. that we do here on the AltaCast uh, are the things that we find important. So the things that are important to me are drug policy reform uh, and abortion access. Uh, well, and Women's reproductive health care access, but specifically access to family planning and making positive choices for oneself and their economic well-being and and how they want to proceed with their life. That is very important to me. So we do the news from uh, Narl Pro-Choice America. I got to turn this on. People keep it. Come on, you guys. You know that I'm in a show right now, you crazy kids. Uh, We do Drug Policy Alliance, uh, which is calling for uh, drug law reform and advocacy. And then also Narl Portraits America. So the thing that they're pushing for right now that San Francisco, that, uh, California just picked up uh, are SIS, safe injection sites. So what they're trying to do is what's happened last year is that uh, opiates have surpassed car accidents as the number one reason for accidental death in America is accidental opiate overdose, which is completely preventable uh, with things like Narcan. Access, they're making Narcan available over the counter so that people can... You know, over and also these safe injection sites make it so that there are nurses on staff, there are clean needles, and it's a well lit, safe place where you can inject. Bring you bring your own drugs in, and you can inject. And then there's if you clean and if you want access though, the nurse is there and they can talk to you. And if you go to a safe injection site a bunch of times, and there's social services there, and people start to get to know you, chances are you're probably going to be more apt to get into a program to try to get off. Right. You know, heroin or opiates. And it's not even heroin anymore. It's all of the oxycontin, codone, yeah. fentanyl. It's all of the pharmaceutically man-made things. And then we're wondering, like, gee, I wonder why it's all out there. And it's because <laughs> the pharmaceutical companies make so much freaking money. 
Absolutely. So, but safe injection sites are, are really important to to change that trajectory. And but that makes me think that our 45 president uh, that. I honestly feel like they just want the heroin addicts to die. They're like, yeah, opiate overdose, whatever, addicts. Well, I mean, there's, fuck them. Obviously, you know? they're so uneducated when it comes to, I mean, both these topics of, of what we're about to discuss. Anyway, um, they're actually talking about the drug uh, uh, forum policy. Um, Jeff Sessions, he um, asked Congress recently if he could arrest, <laughs> if he could arrest. Uh, Oh, those in the states that are where we legalize marijuana, if they could, he could arrest those people, um, basically wow. who use or who have their um, stores as well. Wow. And the people at the DOJ said, no, you can't just no. go around arresting people. And you would think, well, we voted on it. Californians say, Weed's okay, bro. Colorado, Washington. Colorado, Washington. And and he's also going for medicinal places as well. Washington, D.C. You know, so it it was just one of those blogs that I read about. uh, Such a jerk. Yeah. But let's go into it. Drugs. Yeah, let's get into it. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Here we go. So this is that uh, safe injection site stuff I was talking about. This is uh, legislation authorizing safer consumption spaces for supervised injection. introduced in New York State. Assemblymember Linda B. Rosenthal introduced Bill A-8534 to combat historic increases in heroin and opioid overdoses statewide. More than homicides and traffic deaths combined in New York State. Isn't that crazy? You guys can chip in at any time. Safer consumption spaces are proven public health tool to reduce overdose deaths, increase access to treatment, and lower risk of HIV and hepatitis C. Yay! Uh, in response to New York State's overdose academic, epidemic, Assemblymember Linda B. Rosenthal introduced legislation authorizing safer consumption spaces as an emergency public health tool to combat overdose deaths. Safe, safe consumption spaces, SCSs, also called supervised injection facilities, SIF, are facilities where people can legally consume previously purchased illicit drugs with supervision from trained staff who make sure that they're uh, they, their use safer, respond immediately to overdoses, and connect them with medical care, drug treatment, and social services. The bill creates a framework for supervised consumption spaces to operate, would likely be cited within existing syringe exchange programs, uh, which would integrate supervised consumption services into their operations. It also requires an evaluation of the efficacy of the services and would provide legal protections for the programs and participants and allow local jurisdictions to choose to permit a safer consumption space. The legislation is supported by a broad coalition of healthcare professionals, public health experts, advocates, elected officials, and people with a history of drug use who want to ensure that New York is using every approach possible to save lives amid the overdose crisis that is on track to surpass all previous records for overdose deaths this year. Supervised consumption spaces are designed to reduce the health and societal problems associated with drug use. Such facilities provide sterile injection equipment, information about reducing the harm of drugs, health care, treatment referrals, and access to medical staff. Some offer counseling, drug treatment, and other services. Extensive research on these facilities consistently demonstrates a variety of cost-saving public health benefits, included, including reducing public nuisance associated with illicit drug use, such as public drug and improper syringe disposal, reducing overdose deaths, increasing access to drug treatment, and reducing risks of behavior for 
uh, hepatitis C and HIV. Overdose deaths as a result of opioids use continue to increase despite our best efforts. When our success is measured in most in lives lost, it's vital that we use every harm reduction tool at our disposal to prevent overdoses and help save lives. Safer consumption sites work in hundreds of other cities across the world. And if we were serious about reducing overdoses and helping people into recovery, then we have a responsibility to explore SIFs here in New York, uh, said Assemblymember Linda B. Rosenthal, chair of the Assembly Committee on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse. Nearly 100 safer consumption spaces exist around the world with millions of injections having taken place at some of them. Yet not one overdose death has been documented in these facilities. Oh, that's amazing. Our healthcare system has struggled to reach people who use drugs, and we often see people only after they've contracted HIV or hepatitis C or nearly died from an overdose. We cannot continue to promote healthcare model that neglects people until they hit rock bottom, which too often means overdose death in a public restroom or an abandoned building, said Dr. Jonathan Giftos, a clinical instructor of medicine at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, where he provides clinical care for justice-involved patients with opioid use disorders. Instead, we must invest in a continuum of harm reduction services that help people out of the shadows safe for consumption spaces meet uh, people where they are at in their drug use with the goal of keeping them safe they represent a compassionate evidence-based approach to reduce the harms of drug use that help people to feel safe supported and cared for in order to engage in the challenging road to drug treatment and recovery So how many how many uh, needles have you seen on the streets of San Francisco? Too many, a lot. I and s- Oakland. Oakland. I, I s- live in West Oakland. West, right there. I see them all the time. People drop them right into the grates, it, right in front of the library. They drop them right into the grates, right down there. Um, and even they'll throw them into the it, in the center of the street. I've seen needles yeah. in the center of the street in Soma. Parks. Parks, park bathrooms where children are playing, all these kind of places. And the worst thing is when, you know, it's really hardcore to see somebody shooting up. And yesterday I saw so many people shooting up. So many. But the reason, and it's weird, I think San Francisco's weird that they kind of do it in the open. I saw one at the 27 bus stop on 6th and Folsom. And I'm like, right here? Seriously? Just like right on the bus stop. Yeah, like just out in the open. But I mean, I prefer that to what's happening in New York where people go into a quiet little space because they don't want to get caught by the police and then they die. Yeah. So. I honestly, I, I, I shouldn't say this. I was going to say I honestly rather be in a quiet space anyway. Right. Because, no, seriously. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just the factor of like finding it on the street is really disturbing. I mean, I mean, I've. Even when I lived in Chicago, I would see this shit all the time, and it just really freaked me out, you know, because I'm not just thinking about, oh, I'm going to get AIDS or anything like that. No, I'm just thinking about, there's this person who mm. did this. Mm. It's really sad. They're they're sick, and then they don't, obviously, they don't care about getting anyone else sick because they're not in their right mind. So it's like that whenever I see a needle on the street, that needle tells a story to me. Sure, sure. Know? And it's just like it's and the fact that it matters is just like, you know, of course, with this administration, they're not going to do anything about it, you know. And you know what? It's going to be like the crap epidemic all over. Yeah. Again, but with ex- more white people. with more white people. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it is your turn. And and sorry. It, but no, but it, it started. <laughs> but all of the legislation and the reform is actually coming out of 
the the white use it took it took it this took for long. white it took for little lady it took for women and boys and Penelope in, Penelope in Kentucky heroin. you know it took <laughs> it took for the epidemic to get to middle white America before they started saying oh my gosh uh, being addicted to opiates isn't it isn't about race or cultures everybody or can class be or, or class yeah every anyone can be addicted to opiates it's yeah, like absolutely i mean yeah. you have fat ass rush limbaugh on opiates right well you all of get it back on but it, it's because of our it's because of our rampant access <laughs> to pharmaceutical drugs it's it's really easy to get pharmaceutical it's, drugs it's, it's, it's really easy it's to get really easy i notice it's, it's easier really easy. to get pharmaceutical than illegal damn it, yeah, but I mean, the fact that matters, it's just a scary thing is like, I don't think anything, you know, yes, it would be nice to have these sites. I totally agree with that. But I don't think we're going to see anything like that in this administration. You have Uncle Tom, Jeff Sessions, um, who's rolling back everything and starting the new version of the, the new drug war. The, the drug, drug war is back. War. Hopefully yeah, he won't be bummer. in this administration much longer. Um, they're, then, they're, they're, they're really committed to bringing the war on drugs back, yeah, which um, is so dumb because we just kind of like fixed it in California. We're like, look, we're going to make money off it and never get high. We're fine. Everything's fine. There's not more traffic accidents, you know. And I think in his mind, because he's so outdated with everything. The stigma. It's the stigma yeah. that marijuana makes you a bad stigma person. Stigma of, he, I think in his mind, he still thinks that, oh, I know who do, does drugs. It's not my kind that does drugs. It's these people and mm. this lower class of people that do drugs, which is totally, of obviously false. And especially coming up with talking about the heroin epidemic and the opioid epidemic, you know, he's it's, it, totally it, it doesn't flawed. matter. The class, the class system, it cannot be affected by drug use. No, it should, it everyone can be affected I, I just wish these boneheads in this administration would realize that but they don't yeah. they don't I think they need to get high Here, here's another this will, that's just my opinion this, this will be really disappointed uh, again this is drugpolicyalliance.org uh, and this is horrified oh, and distraught God. over the acquittal of officer Yanez who mm-hmm. fatally Philando shot Castile. Philando Castile right. uh, Black Lives Matter everyone last week Minnesota police officer Geronimo Yanez was acquitted of all charges to the fatal shooting of Philandro Castile, an African-American man during a traffic stop that took place last year. An incident that shocked the nation, Mr. Castile's girlfriend live-streamed the moments following the shooting on Facebook while sitting in the car along with their four-year-old daughter. We at the Drug Policy Alliance are horrified and distraught by yet another police killing of an African-American man for which no one will be held accountable. While we cannot know the jury's thinking in Mr. Yanis's trial, we can know the context in which his trial took place and should not be surprised by its outcome. Indeed, police discrimination against people of color, often under co- the cover of the war on drugs, has been well documented. Mr. Castile had been pulled over, usually for minor traffic infractions, 49 times in 13 years. Mr. Yanez's defense argued that the officer did what he had to do, claiming that Mr. Castile had marijuana in his car and that he was stoned, a too common rationalization in police killings, and an allegation that would appear in this case to be contradicted by dashboard video showing Mr. Castile to be compliant, alert, and courteous. We can know, also know that the, demonstra- the demonization of people who use drugs gives license to the trampling of their civil and human rights and provides a climate of impunity for law enforcement and others who commit acts of unjustifiable violence. 
While the Trump administration hardly invented the drug war, it has been quick to embrace this narrative. As Attorney General Jeff Sessions recently summarized, good people don't Don't smoke smoke marijuana. marijuana. We must all own the tragedy endured by Mr. Castile's family and community until Americans demand greater accountability for the discrimination and violence of a drug war prosecuted in their name. It won't be the last. Black Lives Matter. This was written by Derek Hodel, who's the interim <sighs> executive director of Drug Policy he Alliance. smells like marijuana, huh? By the way, I think Minnesota is um, a medicinal state as well. Well, it, there's, it obviously it was not. It had nothing to do with that. I know. I, I know. I did. That, but I, that was that was his. Uh, you know. Oh, and his other defense was like, you know, I feared my life. That's the good old police defense. I feared mm. for my life. Um, speaking of another black person getting shot, uh, just to throw this in there, there was um, in Seattle, there was a um, African American woman who was 30 years old, five months pregnant, oh. who was uh, gunned down by the Seattle police. Um, who, by the way, has had a history of mental illness, and the police uh, in that area did know about this. So basically, she called the police, and uh, she, um, the police came. She had a knife in her hand. And the police, you know, told her to put it down. And, you know, instead of using a stun gun or anything else, what do you think the police did in front of her kids? They they brought a gun to a knife fight? Yes. (laughs) They say never bring a knife to a gunfight. But they brought a gun to a knife fight. Yeah, so they they murdered her in front of her children. Oh, Oh, And basically, they murdered her unborn child. Oh, because she was pregnant and they shot her. Yeah. So, just to throw that out there for uh, some more black stories for the well, day. Well, and they so they said they said on the thing that he'd been pulled over forty-seven times in thirteen years or whatever. Do you experience? We had a conversation about this last night uh, at Brainwash. Some of the comedians about being pulled over and being black and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I had shared that my ex-husband is black, and he would get. We lived in Davis for a long time, and he got pulled over like four times a month, just all the time. Because there were only were so few black people, and and he he was driving an old 280Z um, Datsun 280Z X or whatever, and its belts were kind of funky, so it would screech a little bit, and it sounded it was like, but they would pull him over and be like, oh, you squealing your tires, boy? Yeah, basically. And it's is in Davis in like '97, you know? Yeah. And he's like, no, sir, it's the belts. And when I was in the car with him, they'd let us go, and when he was in the car alone, he. He'd, Time it and he'd be like, oh, yeah. he'd come home and be like, yeah, I was detained for like 20 minutes. They just kept talking to me about nothing. And and it was just, and it's, but I mean, and that's it's, the only time I've felt like, oh, I definitely saw that discrimination. Like, like this shit really happened. Yeah. Yep. It's, no, it, it's not fun. I mean, it's happened to me. Um, I told you about the story of when I was donating cans. This is when I was in high school, donating cans to a canned food drive, following my teacher to the canned food drive, getting pulled over by this prick racist cop. I remember his face. Um, And basically he's searching my car and he's like, don't back talk me, girl. Because I was like, sir, you know, I was going to Speedland. I just pulled off a campus and he's questioning me about canned goods and I'm letting him know. (laughs) <laughs> Dumbass. I'm doing a good deed and you're pulling me over. Um, and so, 
you know, I got a ticket because he said that um, my license plate light was, you know, broken. But uh-huh. mind you, my 17-year-old self did some research because I had an 86 Cavalier. So I did some research, found out, you know, most cars dur- that were built during that era did not have license plates, lights. So I basically took my research, went to the judge, went to court, and I won. Yay! F you, cop. Yay! But no, I feel it every time Every t- um, when I'm at work. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I bet. I do. Like, especially um, at one of the joints I work at. And especially being a woman, too, because you're not supposed to know anything about beer. Ha, ha, ha. Right, of course. You know? Yeah. You know, there have been times it's just like, you know, they'll brush me off and then they'll ask someone else. I'm like, I know what this was. Uh, you ain't slick. You thought I didn't know my shit. You know, you're going to ask that dude instead of me i got you wow yeah but yeah it's you know it's every day it's every it's day black lives matter yeah. well all, i mean all lives matter well you know they do actually i think if we start caring a little bit more about having a little more empathy for all people uh we could it's the whole religious thing makes me crazy okay to abortion Narl pro-choice america uh Narl launches six-figure push calling on Senate to reject John Bush nomination. Uh, there's a Sixth Circuit court judge that they're trying to, he's, he's really worked with anti-abortion campaigns and having a Sixth Circuit judge would open up uh, the Roe v. Wade thing so it could just go right up to the Supreme Court again um, because they've been hearing cases and it's really, it's, it's really scary for me particularly. I mean, I have an IUD now. So it's not that scary because I've got the copper pool sweeper that keeps out all the dead babies, which is nice. Um, and it's great. And I don't know why they don't talk about IUDs more, but I'm a 42-year-old woman of childbearing age. And if I didn't have an IUD and I became pregnant, I mean, I make $1,000 a month. There's no way I could have a baby. It would be, would be born into poverty. But my child would be born into poverty. And I don't want a kid. I'm busy with a radio station it's really hard to birth a radio station and have a baby at the same time because i just wouldn't be able to give it what it needed to be like a successful little human and and that's my choice to do that and it just makes me sad that they're trying to say like no you can't make choices for your own body if you get (laughs) pregnant you need to have that child because it's a moral thing and i'm like but it's not moral for me to be a terrible mom and to always make that child feel like they like if if i they made me have a baby and i had to and the radio station tanked that little child would constantly grow up knowing that its mommy hates it because i had to sacrifice the radio station for it that's not a good thing for a baby to grow up with like my mommy kind of hates me because she had me psychological damage right i can't do that to a kid but the government wants me to like it just it doesn't make any sense to me so uh we have to pay attention to all these judiciary nominations and like the whole gorsuch thing i mean i thought that i aborted the ghost of scalia with that last heavy period but no now they got gorsuch in there i'm like such gore it's gonna be so scary i mean i really see in our lifetime if if the administration stays the way it is 45 boys and rich kids club why do they want us to have what is the theory behind wanting us to have babies we don't want like overpopulation is a huge issue i don't you know the thing is it's so funny to me because to me it's not immoral especially if you believe in the death penalty (laughs) 
which makes no sense, right? You you you're anti-abortion, but you're for the death penalty. I don't know Good how I feel riddance. about the death penalty either. I don't know. No, how I but feel this about is. It. But I'm not. The difference is, you're not using your moral code or high road. You know, you you believe it's a it's a choice, right? Right. Well, yeah. You're not being a hypocrite about it, correct? Compared to like a lot of these Bible thumpers and right, these right. people are like, you know. Have an abortion. You're killing your child. But go ahead and electrocute that person. Right, right. Does it make Big double sense? standard. The double standard. Thank yeah. you. How do you guys feel? What do you, yeah, yeah are you guys, guys all down with abortion? I feel like yeah. I've been talking too oh, much. Yeah. Definitely down for abortion and birth control. Yeah, birth control. Yay. Yeah. The uh, abortion was legal uh, until the Comstock laws in the 1890s. And it was so ubiquitous that it was in American magazines in the back. There were advertising for abortions. And it was one out of every four pregnancies was terminated in abortion before 1860. Oh, we're still overpopulated? Well, yeah, we're still, right? Back in that day. But they, uh, it's, it was a thing that, it, it's been around for thousands of years and suddenly we get this moralistic bee up our bonnet and we're like well it's I mean, and it's done it's been done safer too yeah. you know even by the pill form you know i've even taken the what are you 86 86 that baby are you yeah are you are you are you 46 are you 486 in that baby yeah get it out of the bar yeah because if you would have met its daddy no no i the, the last I, I recently Sorry, I, I had an I had an abortion uh, a couple of years ago and it was uh, I was thirty nine so it was three years ago and my boyfriend and I had been together for a year and I love him so much and we're still together and it's great but I mean we it wasn't we weren't gonna do that I mean we would have had a really cute baby and everything but like we just our lifestyle is not we liked like we like to drink I like to drink on Tuesday I like to do comedy at night I like to drink he likes to drink we have a certain lifestyle we have a lifestyle that does not we I can't vaccinations going to the doctor figuring out a school schedule like I don't ever want to do that like you don't want to send your kid to college no (laughs) I mean and for me I mean I've been a nanny for so many children that I mean I can sort of when if Sabine ever goes to college or when Isabella makes it to college that I feel like I'm part of helping them get to college Daria Daria's gonna do great when she gets to college and I mean she's only 12 now but you know six years I'll still know her and I'll feel like I was a part of helping her get there you molded her I molded her yeah. yeah well her parents are pretty rad too uh so this is the ads targets, they, they're spending three figures to try to not have this uh, spineless Ted Cruz guy. Uh, so, uh, Narl Pro-Choice America today launched a six-figure push calling on members of the Senate Judiciary Committee to reject the nomination of John Bush, a Kentucky lawyer and shady anonymous blogger for Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. The push includes two new ads, which will run in the home States of Senate Judiciary members in Arizona, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Carolina, and Texas, as well as in D.C. The investment is part of NARL's efforts to mobilize its 1.2 million member activists to oppose the controversial nominee and includes direct phone calls to Senate offices to oppose the nomination. The American people deserve to know that the Trump administration is filling our nation's court system with unqualified candidates while they think no one is looking. 
said Sasha Bruce, Senior Vice President of Campaigns and Strategy at Narl Pro-Choice America. John Bush was handpicked by President Trump for a lifetime appointment because they share the same anti-woman, anti-LGBTQ worldview. If John Bush makes it to the federal court, his dangerous agenda could affect our rights for decades, spelling disaster for generations of Americans. The ads highlight Bush's troubling record as an anonymous blogger for a right-wing website and as a lawyer who worked with a right-wing group with a troubling record of pushing uh, an anti-choice agenda. The buy includes one ad specifically calling out Senator Ted Cruz for his failure to oppose the divisive blogger-turned-nominee who taunted Ted Cruz as a sore loser in one of his blog posts. So uh, there we go. Uh, this so it's uh, we can so, we can listen we can so listen tacky. to them. This is God. Hearing these white dudes talk about women's rights, it's so tacky. It, 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 <laughs> it really is. So this is uh, who is G. Morris, Trump nominee, John Bush. We're gonna. I don't ever trust a Bush. Just who is Gene Morris, the anonymous blogger who couldn't contain his hateful political opinions? None other than Trump federal court nominee John Bush. Hiding behind the secret identity Gene Morris, John Bush compared abortion to slavery and called programs to reduce violence against women wasteful. Bush was even a member of a secret society that banned women, minorities, and Jews. Tell your senator that justice may be blind, but the truth comes out. Oh, snap, snap. Okay, this is the one that's called Get a Spine, Ted. This should be good. Oh, good Lord. Donald Trump referred to him as Lion Ted, called him a wacko, and accused his father of helping to kill JFK. (laughs) Ted Cruz, he just sat there and took it, even endorsed Trump for president. Now Ted Cruz is being bullied all over again, this time by Trump's federal court nominee and anonymous blogger, John Bush. Writing under a fake name, Bush slammed Cruz repeatedly, calling him a sore loser, questioning his judgment, and asking, who needs Ted Cruz anyway? And how does Ted Cruz respond? You guessed it, by backing Bush's nomination. (laughs) Come on, get a spine, Ted. Pretty much. Pretty much. So this is. Uh, God, I've never. I've, this these group of men are so catty. They're so catty. It's gross. It's like they honestly should be on a reality show of abortions. Yeah. No. Well, it's. I mean. Ah. Uh, I, I really don't understand why men have such a problem with abortion. That, especially, I, I don't, I don't get it. Is it that having power over our own bodies makes them feel weaker, or like it just? What, yeah. What would what would why? be your opinion on that? I mean, if you, yeah. So uh, we're, we're, we studied English literature, right? And there's the whole idea of like the woman as a domestic ideal. And that was like this idea that kind of started in Victorian literature and stuff. So it seems like a lot of men's issues with women's agency and power, it's like, I'm not saying it stems from that, but like there's this idea of a woman is a woman if she's maternal. Right. Abortion defies being maternal. Therefore, you cannot be a woman if you get rid of your uterus right yeah. so, so so but that so i don't know but I, then are women not real if they when they go through menopause all is of that it, yeah. now and this is one of the worst one of the worst things that one of my comedian friends ever said to me and i tried to call him out on it and he was just like it's just my opinion 
Uh, uh oh. He said that he's only he can only be sexually attracted to women who can still have children. Mm. So he was like, if they're too old and they can't have children anymore, he's not attracted to them. If they, if they are, he even made as far as saying if they're on birth control and he knows he can't get them pregnant, that he doesn't want to have sex with them. Not that he wants to get them pregnant, but he had to know that he could. Fertility is a big turn on. Like apparently, I, and that was so crazy know. to me too. He's, he was he's black too, but he said he <laughs> he was like, I can't be attracted to woman. I can't have sex with a woman unless I think she could get pregnant. Is it this whole idea of machismo in the man's mind of like I'm not a man until I make a baby kind of thing, or I don't know. It just. They don't really make it. That's the thing. I know. Too. I, know. I, that's, they, I mean, I, I just because I, men don't, most men don't know what a uterus is anyway. So that's why it's, you know. <laughs> but there are also women that do not support a woman's right to choose to oh, have yeah. an abortion, right? So then it's like those. What's wrong with them? I have questions for those. Yeah, I, I yeah, but that's my that to me. Yeah, let's go there because yeah. those are the yeah. ones that I'm like, um, yeah. who hit you upside your head? Like seriously, it's just it, you know, it, it is your choice. Mm. You have this. You oh my god, you have choice and reason. You know, and especially if if there's some rape. Hello, that's another reason why to definitely have an abortion. But then you have like a lot of Republican women who are pro-life which i just don't understand to me like having the luxury here's what the internet says why are some women pro-life so of men men are only 38 percent pro-choice and 53 percent pro-life so men are more pro-life than women and women are 44 percent pro-choice and 46 percent pro-life so it's not that different White women are 42% pro-choice and 49% pro-life. And it says non-white women are 37% pro-choice and 51% pro-life. What's wrong with them I, colored people? That's interesting. Um, <laughs> Some of ages, us can't afford babies. 18 to 34 years, 46% pro-choice, 44% pro-life. And as you get older, wow, it's more pro-life. 35 to 54 is 40 to 49. And 55 and older is 40% pro-choice and 54% pro-life. See, now I have an issue with that because those are the baby boomers. Right. Those are the baby boomers. Those are the ones, 55 and older, who were the ones during 1973 that were there who stood for Roe v. Wade. Right. So I'm I'm curious to find out what changed your mind. Right. (laughs) Uh, Where'd this come from? You know, it, it just that's I I just don't understand humans anymore. I don't get it. It's too hard to think about it. But you know, for the woman's perspective, it's here's just, what here's what this one woman says. Okay. Uh, I'm pro-life because I feel very strongly. I might add that life begins at conception. I think that we as a society have a moral obligation to protect life wherever we can. I'm also against the death penalty. How about black life? <laughs> like Amelia Bird, I'm politically pro-choice. I believe and support a woman's right to make this difficult decision for herself. This wasn't always the case. In fact, I only came around to the pro-choice stance in the last 15 years. I never knew anyone personally who confessed to an abortion or who had considered one. If they did, it was never mentioned to me. I believe if I had, up until my late 20s or so, I would have strongly encouraged abortion alternatives. 
I would not have um, I would not have turned any woman into the authorities if I was in a country where abortion was illegal. Then again, I don't think I would turn just any criminal in just because I disagreed with their crimes, except that the crime was serious or directed toward me. In a perfect world, we wouldn't need to resort to abortion very often. Very often, Men wouldn't impregnate women through rape or deception. I'll pull out, I promise. People unwilling or unable to take the, on the responsibilities of pregnancy or parenting either wouldn't have sex or would take precautions to prevent conception. Society would provide for those who did fall through the cracks. It's not a perfect world. What do you guys, what do you guys think about this? Oh, geez. Um, I think it's interesting that she kind of turned sides. I admire her not wanting to criminalize anybody for crimes. Could that be a thing? Could you get? Could we get criminalized for? I mean, if they I overturn Roe v. Wade, right now, really? I was going through mm. a very intense abortion controversy. Really, half a, half a country. Yeah, it's a very Catholic country. Yeah. Um, uh, I I didn't uh, President Chito say during the or during um the campaign uh, that he would you know arrest women who did have abortions. I believe he said. Yeah, he said he want he said when he was being elected and all that. That was yeah. part of his rhetoric that he's this like rhetoric. I would. Yeah, I would start prosecuting women prosecuting, to the yeah. to the extent of the law for killing babies. Which or which, and that's the other thing. It's like, I don't even think it matters if life begins at conception or not. Scientifically, if, if it you it, if you don't want to have a baby, you shouldn't have a baby. And it's still a really hard choice to make, and no one actually wants, wants to, to have an abortion. Right. Right. I don't think that, anyone goes out in life being like, I just hope I get to have one. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know? So it's like hard for bucket un- list. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Bucket so it's list. Like, it, it, yeah. It's, that's funny. Yeah. So it's. No, you're absolutely right. And the you thing too. is, like, it, it is a pain in the butt go, walking in and then seeing protesters and coming out after a procedure and seeing them. And it's really disheartening that happened to me. It, it's not. And the thing is, like, you know, it. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's not like, oh, today I'm going to go to Six Flags tomorrow. I'm going to have an abortion. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's not like that. It's, it's it's a like, oh, my God, what happened? What am I going to do? And if you have that significant other with you, you guys have to have yeah. that talk. And what are my choices? Yeah. Right. How much money do we have? Right. Well, and what, one of my friends just had a baby and it was $80,000 with insurance she has really great insurance and it was eighty thousand dollars with insurance because almost as much as my school yeah right (laughs) isn't that crazy to be born and i it's so crazy to me because we used to like we used to be out in a field and we used to squat down and pull out the baby and chop it off with the scissors and keep picking potatoes or whatever we were doing we used to just have a baby and now it's like You've got to get in there. And just go to then, school. The don't doctors have kids. With the and the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I just don't even... Go to school. $80,000. It is... Dang, man. $80,000 to have a baby. You have to and go into debt to bring so it in. I just... I mean, I guess this past week I had a friend save herself $80,000. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, she made a choice. <laughs> there it is. Saving. She went to school. Saving money. She get her a card. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be? Those would be really funny cards. They need those cards. Actually. Yeah. They, that would actually be really. That's a really Sorry, good idea. There's a market for that. I there's there's absolutely. Sorry a about Clumpy. <laughs> Oh, we we're, we're, that was that was rad. We're gonna we're gonna leave it on that. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been so. How how can people help? To just keep their eye to the, keep their ear to the ground to know about what's going to happen with Mills. Yeah. And uh, that this week is the voting. So hopefully, is there anything the public can do, or you know, there are two petitions going around. Um, actually, three petitions. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that Facebook page going on, which is it's. Fight Mills College plan to fire tenured faculty. Yes. Um, we'll uh, attach that to the show today. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we weren't too vulgar for the university. We need to talk about this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful building. Oh, wow. That yeah. is yeah. Wow. Well, Mills is awesome. Just, like, we're here because we care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's really old timey and rad looking. No, it's amazing school. Yeah. 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 See, wow. did not say one ill thing about Mills. That means there is much love. So Keep, much love. We much love, love. So much love. Any support you guys could give us. I really appreciate you guys having us on today. Yeah, thank yeah. you so Thank much. you so much for being here. We uh, so we've attached that uh, to, uh, we'll put the podcast up right after that, but it's going to be on our website. Thank you so much for being here. Thank this you has guys. been Mutiny Radio, and we are the AltaCast. Coming up at 2 o'clock is Some Call Me Tim with special guest Mikey uh, Madfest of SF subliminal sf and we're gonna he's our first uh second or third jewish guy that we're gonna be having on we talk about religion on some call me tim it's really fun uh so thanks for being with us bye everybody bye Bye. all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and doll on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion, and all or passion, who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution, who would rather die than fall in line to conform, who constantly challenge the norm, who greet each and every day as if just born, I say to you I know your greatness, the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact, and in fact I know it best when I say to you, I love you. The Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey.
tell me what you think about your situation complication aggravation is it getting to you then tune in live every sunday from 12 to 2 p.m to the edge of insanity with myself paul brumbaugh kit marie brandon ray and mistress christine all on mutiny radio that's right pcrcollective.org we'll see you there You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and